the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The biggest pop culture movement since the Beatles, $22.5 billion at the box office, and we found the one guy who doesn't have a clue what we're talking about. With two fellow MCU nerds to help guide his hand along the way, one thing is for certain, we're with him until the end of the line. Welcome to Colin Brain versus the MCU. Well, now I can say this and not get a confused look from Colin anymore. On your left. Hello and welcome to your favourite MCU podcast designed for your ear holes. We have now reached the halfway point of phase two. We are officially flying. After last week's episode spent on Asgard, Vanaheim and greenwich uh, with for the dark world we are watching captain america the winter soldier from joe and anthony rousseau but as always before we kick off proceedings please allow me to introduce my fellow co-hosts starting as always with a man with more catchphrases and annoying songs than hydra have of people on their hit list it's robert trot robert say hello hello um just wanted to start off got a little joke for you both oh, but, uh, oh no made up whilst watching the film <laughs> so why are people always losing black widow okay go on because she's always roaming off <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> i feel sorry sometimes that i've introduced colin to you um so <laughs> Uh, so, as and again, uh, before we jump on uh, to Colin Brain, uh, let's discuss your nickname, because as per always, we're not doing this in person this week, and we've never done this in person, it's all over Zoom, so what is your Zoom nickname this week? This week, I am Alexander Fierce, which mm. I feel would be Alexander Pierce's RuPaul's Drag Race name. Right. If someone was a big... Mo like Marvel, Marvel <laughs> buff, and was on that show. Alexander Fierce would be their name. Exactly. So they wouldn't go with any of the superheroes. Though they'd go with the villain from the Winter Soldier, played by Robert Redford. Yep. Cool. Right. So, <laughs> uh, last but not least, after a much calmer week last week and less outbursts about Christmas, uh, it's in a way. Our very own Steve Rogers, who, thanks to me and Rob, now has his own little notebook full of pop culture moments he's missed over the past few years. It's Colin Brain. Colin, say hello. Hello. How are you? Not bad. I quite like the idea of someone turning up to Ru- RuPaul as fucky Barnes, to be honest. That one, <laughs> yes, that that's more like better. it, yes. <laughs> yeah, you, there's going to be no holds barred when fucky Barnes walks yeah. onto the catwalk. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, but yeah, I'm good, um, man. I'm good. Good, good to hear. Um, no plumbing issues this week, Colin? That's not a euphemism. You know, he's not <laughs> dropping his bowels mid-podcast or anything. Um, <laughs> but I just remembered that, you know, hours before we were due to record, I think our last episode, you mm-hmm. had somewhat of a plumbing emergency and text me and Rob, and I never really found out what happened. So all sorted now, I'm assuming. All sorted, mate. Yeah, luckily it wasn't. I mean, you get a little bit worried when the plumber turns up and then 10 minutes into it, he's... Like crying, el- electric soaring the back of the toilet from the wall, and you're like, "Yeah, Brilliant. this isn't that good, is it?" But luckily, uh, yeah, it got sorted pretty quick. I so. won't ask how you managed that. Lots of fiber in your diet. Just a yeah. I think whoever fitted the toilet 
didn't do a particularly good job of it, so it was one of those things. But yeah, all sorted. Oh dear, good. okay, good. No more leaks. So yeah, welcome to Colin Brain versus the MCU, where we're discussing plumbing this week. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Colin, inspired by this film, uh, mm. me and Rob have devised a little game to play. So as I mentioned earlier, Steve Rogers, he's got this little notepad on him containing some pop culture moments he's missed and maybe needs to catch up on. So we'd like to throw a couple of pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to throw a couple uh, a couple of pop culture moments at, at you, okay? And just we, we just want to see if you're just as behind as a guy that's literally been on ice for seventy to eighty years. Alright. So I don't know about Rob, but I have tried. I've made mine fairly easy and stuck to all my pop culture moments. Of the last two years. Oh Christ! Okay. Oh, I so. did not. I did not know that was a stipulation. So George, <laughs> you're gonna have to go first. <laughs> I've completely well, misunderstood this I, game. Is it? Is it I, just? No, um, I mean, is it just TV and film, or is it just in general? Uh, I've tried to stick to as entertainment as okay. much as possible. Okay. So we're going to see whether you're completely out of the loop, or whether you actually are not the hermit that the 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 world, as we are out on the internet now, thinks you are. Well, I hope they don't, just because I don't watch the MCU. I'm sure I'm not the only person out there that also hasn't seen Game of Thrones. I mean, if well, there is anyone out there, we'll please, get to that. Please um, back so, me up. Come on. Number one, surely, Tiger King. Oh yeah, I watched that. Yeah. There we go. Yep. I'll give you a two. I didn't even watch that. Oh, well, there you go then. It's <laughs> another one of George's fun games. Who's the hermit yeah. now? <laughs> Falling apart at the seams. Um, number two, Billie Eilish. Uh-huh. What, do you, do, do I you know listen? who she is? I mean, what do you, do, do, you, me? do you listen to her? Do, are you, do, are you sort of yeah, cl- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, good. I'm very impressed with her, with her vocals. Oh, lovely. Um, and I like Phineas as well. Phineas is a cool I, producer. I love a bit of Phineas, yeah. yeah. Um, the film Parasite. Oh, I haven't seen that, but I do know of it, and it is on my list. I think it's already mm. on my, my, like... Is it on Amazon Prime now, I think? It's on my it watch is. list on it one sure of them. It sure is, in the yeah, UK, yeah. for sure. Well, I know do it, you, at least. Do you own TikTok? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm 31, all right? He's, he's aware <laughs> of it, so, yeah, yeah pop-culturally aware. I actually don't, I don't. I don't have an issue with it. I think um, if you're using it as a social sort of marketing platform, I think it's very important. But who the fuck wants to see a 31 year old with TikTok? What am I going to be doing? The little dances and the fucking twerking and shit? No, of course not. No, you, not. you could you could be talking about your latest production or how yeah, to no, mix certain no, things. Right, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It has crossed my mind most definitely. I think you definitely get an audience. But um, we shall I continue. Got one. Though. Have you? I've downloaded it because apparently for my work they want uh, us to start doing go. some TikToks. So. Rob, have you got it? I haven't. I've... No. Oh, not such a hermit now, my lads. Well, <laughs> my wife does though, and she'll <laughs> okay, send me ones enough. that are funny. And that's, yeah, but the, yeah. to be honest, though, I've got pretty much. I mean, I have an. I need. I have um. I have an Instagram account for the studio, so like I, I whenever I'm on that, I just go on the kind of you know, the search sort of function and scroll down. And mostly for me, it's just a lot of MMA stuff and like studios and gear porn and stuff. But every now and again, all the TikTok stuff turns up on that anyway, man. Like a lot of so it what, does. So there's, a, there's reels as well. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah, They're yeah, trying yeah, to get yeah. on that. So to continue, Hamilton. Oh, Jesus Christ. You no. know you know why don't, I haven't... You're out on the, you're on the internet now, Colin. Do not do this. You know why I haven't bothered with it? Because of me. Don't because say of because you. of me. Because of you. 
That is exactly why. <laughs> why? Because, man, like, we've been through this before. You're just, like... I'd, we all love a two and a half hour epic uh, about the America, the history of American independence told via rap and hip hop. And this is one of the reasons why I've never bothered so much with the MCU is because whenever you are so massively into something, <laughs> I always just think that you've been you, like you're you're like a PR's wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> they they hook you in, man, so easily. Like you you message me sometimes about people, and I'm just like, how is, how have they got him on that? How have they got him on that? I did it recently, and you got oh. so angry. At so me. honestly, like you're you're as much to blame for my my lack of of pop culture knowledge over the last few years than anyone else. So yeah, well, this, carry this on. game's backfired. You've, <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I was so happy about this game texting Rob early running. Now I feel like a piece of shit. And now George forces people into pop culture hermitdom. Yeah, <laughs> Hamilton, one of the greatest inventions of this century. And I'm like, do you like it? I haven't listened to it because you like it. <laughs> what, um, <laughs> like as a taste barometer, you like it. So yeah, exactly. If jo- what I like about jo- Hamilton, especially, is that it annoys the kind of person that um, thinks that you know would get annoyed that certain roles of historical characters aren't played by people of the correct, you know, historically mm. accurate race. And it's just mm. funny watching those people get annoyed. So I think yes. you'd like it for that, at the very least. Oh, I'm but sure. I'm musically sure as well, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm pretty sure George has played me some of the tunes in his car, which is, just, you know, <laughs> another reason why I'm like, dude, come yeah, on. That's like, a good <laughs> one. Go see this musical. Let's listen to it first. All the plots are <laughs> the songs. So. Haven't you got it? <laughs> I think got last time I was well? in a car with Colin, I was mm. like, listen to this new Metallica song. And a heart, about halfway through, he literally, even though I was driving very fast behind the wheel, got in my face and screamed, no. turn it off. No way. That's <laughs> you did. You got so angry during oh, this song. Total shit. Carry on. <laughs> I thought you were going to say as well if I said, like, I was like, yeah, give Hamilton a listen. You go, oh, okay, I might do that. Just to rub it <laughs> in. <laughs> Uh, I was right. in Victoria the other day though, and I think there's a theatre there that ha- has it on, or at least yeah, had all, yeah, they, had they all are the showing it, yeah, it, in so. Victoria. Yes, yeah. they are. Um, Anything else, mate? Oh, it's a little bit. There's a couple more. Rob so, hasn't given um, me any yet, but carry on. Because well, I think I threw him with the. Um, I've, the no, I've got some. I've got some things. I'm, it's more. I'm just intrigued to. I don't know. If they're on, massive pop culture things. But are you aware of the film Baby Driver? Yeah, I've got the. I've actually got the soundtrack on vinyl for that. I like that film a lot. Yeah, as a music guy, I thought you'd like that. But I was intrigued mm. to know if you were aware of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just crushing your Colin Brain is a hermit. We're just theory. we're just learning more just about you, because... mate. The podcast is no, 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 named no, 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 after no. you. Hold on a second. I'm talking for now. Anyone that just doesn't conform to the the joys of social media and Facebook and Twitter and all that. You don't have to do that shit. You can still live a life, okay? And I'm yeah. proving that now. Listen you can still keep him. up to He's date He's not on any of the socials. <laughs> Play it with your friends. <laughs> the Great British Bake Off. BBC or Channel 4? Both. Oof. Oof. I mean, I, I got into it, actually, towards the end of the BBC days. I was a bit of a late one for that. Really enjoyed it. And I actually didn't hate the, the, the move to Channel 4. Um, not and not the, one bit. The yeah. biggest the biggest surprise for me, which I was very sceptical about, was What's-His-Face coming in recently. Um, dude from... Um, Matt Lucas. Oh, man, he is the best. He's really good. He is so good. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Well, oh, I am liking this. Um, Keep going, Jules, because I've lost the point of this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, WAP. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I know of it. I've never heard it. Never heard okay. it. But I know of it. The Queen's <laughs> Gambit make a joke there. <laughs> I know of it, but I've never never been there. <laughs> the Queen's who? The Queen's Gambit. I've heard of that, but I've never seen. Them. The Masked Singer. Yeah, I know of that as well, but it's not for me. I mean, I, I, I've only heard of it as well. I yeah. don't know. Uh, the Game of Thrones finale. I mean, Stace watched all of Game of Thrones, so I, I kind of knew <clears throat> I knew that it obviously was a bit of a letdown for a lot of people, mm. as well as the whole of the last season seemed like it was a bit iffy. Mm. So I've got three left <clears throat> of big pop culture moments from the last two years. Let's go. The, the Cats trailer. Okay. <laughs> the, the the trailer for the oh, film. Oh right, okay. Cats. Sorry, yeah, I did watch that trailer. It was fucking scary, man. <laughs> it melted the internet. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you meant there was a show out there called The Cats Trailer. No, right. okay. no. Um, Joker. Yeah, I saw it. Went okay. to the cinema and saw it actually at the light in Thetford. So there you mm, go, mate. Nice. Um, and the end of the Skywalker saga. I didn't see the third one. You didn't miss much. But I liked the second one, which a lot of people didn't. So did both of us. Might be my favourite Star Wars film. And you know the reason why I didn't see the third one is because I heard that, I don't know how true this is actually, but I heard that whoever came back to do the third one almost wiped out what happened in the second one and just kind of went and did their own thing. Uh, Almost. Oh, they they did, did they? Oh, okay. Well, then I'm just not going to bother. Yes, Mr. J.J. Abrams reversed every decision that was made oh, in that film. So, uh, so Colin knew about all of those. Brilliant. Well, <laughs> there you go, mate. <laughs> Content. Proved the point there, didn't you, I'm George? not doing any more games because <laughs> Rob just tears them to pieces every week. I was every, so, every time he texts me, yeah, I'm up for that, mate. 100% up yeah. for it. It starts, it bombs. I, wish, oh, I mean, George. if my phone was on the other side of the room, <laughs> oh. I'd, I'd read uh, you Rob, Rob's reply. Oh. I'm like, I love oh, the fact. Inspired by the notebook in Winter Soldier, we can oh. do Colin's own little notebook and see what pop culture moments. He went, mate, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah, but what I, I took it as was that we was going to be making suggestions of things for Colin, much like Falcon does making suggestions for things that Colin might not have seen, not asking if he was aware of things. Mm. Have you got well, any of those, Rob? Chuck one over at me. Oh, mine was Baby Driver. Oh, okay, cool. Fair <laughs> Taskmaster. Oh, I haven't seen that, actually, no. Any good? Oh, it's very good. Okay. You would enjoy it. Comedy panels a show. Nice. Is it British? Mm. With a twist. British, yeah. Nice. I'll give it a go. Awesome. See, so, already better. Well... <laughs> 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 not entirely sure how <laughs> strong this episode has been yeah, already. Literally, we've been about fifteen minutes, and all we've we are seventeen minutes in. We've played a game that I'm not entirely sure has worked, and oh, we discussed plumbing. So it totally worked for me. So I'm good. <laughs> good. Be, so who's uh, editing this one? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so before we do the recap, uh, I am going to put Rob on the spot again. Now, right. you've known Colin for a good few months now. Now, the first time they ever met was over Zoom for this very podcast. And um, as I said earlier on, we've still yet to be in the same room as each other. But you know him well enough by now. So did Colin like Captain America, the Winter Soldier? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, OK. We, I'm not going to ask him yet. So. As always, boys, just relax as I provide a background to the film to both Colin and our listeners. 
As always, Colin, any questions, please fire away. And I'm sure between Rob and myself, we may be able to answer. So are you both ready for a brief background to the film? Yes. Let's go. Let's go. So far, so good. Skip the compliments. Let's get on with it. So we definitely didn't hate the Dark World last week, uh, but some of the insiders at Marvel did consider the film a misstep uh, and decided that if it was to keep the MCU fresh and invigorated, then it was to t- it was time to start playing with different genres within this universe. Uh, they started plans for more out there science fiction films for for comedies um for some films you know maybe maybe to bring like a darker approach that would definitely not be for like younger audiences and that of course brings us to the winter soldier so and so this has like a 70s conspiracy theory type uh feel to it it has an old school approach to its action with uh, most of the film being shot on real sets, you know, there's less green screen and there's real choreographed action whilst using as little CGI as humanly or safely possible. Uh, so born out of this film was this new tone for the MCU, which would actually change the entire MCU going forward. So Kevin Feige, who uh, we know is the like the head of Marvel Studios, he hired the two writers of the first Captain America movie, uh, two guys called Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Um, and much like how Marvel wanted to approach all of their films from now on, they wanted to give them free reign to do whatever they want with a film, but we'll provide you with a couple of beats that we needed to hit uh, because Feige had drafted up story-wise the next sort of like six, seven films of the MCU. So now every film was building to this story that him and his team had envisioned. (laughs) So the two beats that Feige wanted was the destruction of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s helicarriers and the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, Feige looked at S.H.I.E.L.D. as sort of like the Avengers safety net S.H.I.E.L.D. were. They were technically um, nowhere officially, like almost like the managers of the Avengers. So what would happen if that safety net no longer existed and and if the avengers were needed again who would they answer to you know does does anyone tell the avengers to form up uh so what if something goes wrong on an avengers mission who's to blame who takes the fall um all of these questions uh kevin feige wanted answered over the next few years so in order to us to get to that point in the story it was time for shield to go So Marcus and McFeely, once they decided on the 70s style tone for the film, they immediately got round to watching films such as Three Days of the Condor, uh, The Parallax View and Marathon Man. Uh, All these big films uh, in the 70s in order to soak in as much inspiration as they could for the sequel. Now, in terms of directors, uh, Kevin Feige and Marvel also made the decision to no longer search for A-list directors, so to speak. Uh, They would now start approaching directors who maybe had a couple of films to their resume or maybe someone who had like acclaimed work in TV. Uh, They eventually landed on the directing duo of two brothers called Joe and Anthony Russo, known as the Russo brothers. Colin, remember that name. Uh, In terms of films, uh, their most popular film at the time was You, Me and Dupree. It was a Kate Hudson sort of Owen Wilson comedy. But their TV work was very popular. Uh, They directed 10 episodes of Arrested Development and they did 21 episodes of The Incredible 
Community. Um, now, have you seen ever seen Community? Me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. I liked it. So I love Community. Um, so that Community is definitely a show that needed directors that could switch genres and sort of play around with tone because with every week you wouldn't know whether you were getting like an action episode a horror spoof slapstick you know something mockumentary um so marvel offered the russo brothers to direct the winter soldier to which they of course uh, accepted now word got out that this script was something very new uh, something very exciting for marvel and everyone kind of wanted to get in on the action so even roles that weren't exactly massive in the film such as Agent 13, or Kate, she's sometimes called in the film as well. It's um, Steve's neighbour. There was quite a lengthy audition process for that role. Um, so some of the auditions, uh, some some of the people who auditioned for it was uh, Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones, uh, Alison Brie uh, from Community, uh, Imogen Poots, um, but with the role eventually landing to Emily Van Camp, who at the time was getting acclaim for her role in an American TV show at the time called Revenge. Now, the, the role of Agent Rumlow was actually quite sought after as well. So if you were a comic book fan, then you were quite excited to hear that Rumlow was being cast in the comic books because Rumlow eventually becomes, in the comic books, uh, a villain called Crossbones. So there was potential there for some, you know, some next time, babies. <laughs> so the last three the role came down to was Josh Holloway, who is Sawyer from Lost, uh, Nikolaj uh, Costa Waldo, uh, also known, I've, no, I've, I've demolished that uh, pronunciation, <laughs> um, also known as Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones, and Frank Grillo, with the role eventually going to Frank Grillo, who upon signing up, signed a seven-picture contract. But remember, this was commonplace with most roles in Marvel, and doesn't guarantee their return at any point. Or does it? I mean, spoilers, the guy had a building fall on top of him, so we'll see whether he ever pops up again. Fans also became very excited to learn that Samuel L. Jackson and Colby Smulders were both returning to play uh, Nick Fury and Agent Hill. Uh, but then the internet really melted when it was announced that Robert Redford had joined the MCU. Now, the Robert Horse Whisperer. The, ho the horse whisperer himself. Robert Redford is one of the greatest actors of our generation, you know, and he also made a string of really incredible conspiracy, me conspiracy theory movies in the 70s as well. So it was incredible casting, and it showed that Marvel weren't afraid to start approaching actors of his caliber, and it's definitely something they kept doing. And now I'm not exaggerating when I say this was the smoothest production in the MCU so far. There was no hitches, there was no delays, no on-set falling outs. The film was delivered on time and within budget, and Marvel were very happy with the result. Marvel made the point to the Russo brothers to keep their schedules open over the next couple of years as they would be in touch very soon. Because it seems like ages ago we were talking about films like Iron Man 2, for example. Not a bad film by any stretch, but doing this podcast, it did become difficult not to sound too much of like a broken record mentioning all the inset arguments um, and lots of talk of, you know, even last week of scenes being left on the cutting room floor, villains with little to no motivations. And so yet again, this was a major turning point for Marvel. So Captain America, the Winter Soldier opened in theaters on April 4th, um, 2014 to really positive reviews. 
and a really strong $95 million opening weekend. It actually went on to gross $714.2 million worldwide, which was nearly twice the entire lifetime gross of the first Avenger. So, that brings us to the big question. Colin, what did you think? I quite enjoyed this one. Oh, okay, good. I'm very, very, <laughs> very happy about that. That was good. It was good. It felt like everything got upped, and it was mm. definitely a big, big, important movie for the story overall, and you could yes. feel that. Yeah, it, it, <clears throat> yeah. It, it, this, to me, um, was the most important and since the Avengers. It just mm-hmm. felt like it was back to that kind of level of, well, scale, I guess is the best yeah. way to put it. And yeah, and I, I see what you mean. It... it, it it provides setup for where the MCU could possibly be going as well. Yeah, and I think having having like Nick Fury back and, mm-hmm. and uh, what's her name, uh, Kobe Smolder's character. Yeah, uh, having those sorts of characters there, and obviously you know being back in the Shield environment and being mm-hmm. back more in that way, it felt like it was just carrying on quite nicely yeah. from the Avengers. Really, I did enjoy it. It was fun. Good. And yourself, Rob? How was this rewatch for you? This is the um, first time I've watched it with the <laughs> audio commentary fact. There will be more coming later good. on. Of course. more relevant times. Um, yeah, it was really, really good. I, I've seen it so many times now. It is probably one of the ones that I've watched, like, over and over. It's probably had the most, one of the ones that's had the most rewatches for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't. It doesn't. I don't seem to get bored of it, which is a good thing. Yeah. Now, uh, everyone has their own tastes. Uh, that's become very clear doing this podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, by the end of this endeavor, you may completely agree or disagree with me. Uh, but I have to say that the Winter Soldier is in my top five MCU, potentially top three. We shall see where it lands at the end of this rewatch, obviously. But I'm obsessed with this movie. Uh, I think the old school approach is so refreshing. I love the action in this. I think there are moments that are quite visceral. Um, the minimal CGI approach is really exciting and more importantly, noticeable. I love the Bucky storyline and twist, which is ripped straight from the comics. And even though it's taking this whole new grounded approach, it also never forgets it's a comic book movie and it allows itself to be silly when it wants to be too. I love this film. So let's jump into a deep dive of the film and get uh, some more insight into our opinions on the film. Are we up for this, lads? Let's go. I was born ready, George. Love it. So two years after the Battle of New York, Steve Rogers works in Washington, D.C. for the espionage agency S.H.I.E.L.D., whilst also adjusting to contemporary society. During a mission alongside Natasha Romanoff and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s counter-terrorism strike team, led by Agent Rumlow, to free hostages aboard a S.H.I.E.L.D. vessel from pirates led by George Batroc, Rogers discovers Romanoff has another agenda, to extract data from the ship's computers. Now, I love the first set piece on this boat. Um, I think, and I think Colin sort of got there as well, I think it also feels fairly close to the Avengers in regards to, like, the inventive action, the, you know, the quippy banter, but it's all got this added tension under the surface of it all. Cause this whole set piece is dealing with a terrorist attack essentially, but you know, peppered in between these action beats is 
Steve and Natasha talking about trying to find him a date and stuff like that. So it's a fine line, but I think the Russos really make it work. Um, did it all work for you, this action set piece at the beginning, Colin? Because I remember that you said you found some of the action in the first Captain America, a little one note. So they, they at least to me, try and keep the action fresh and they sort of vary up how Cap disposes of his villains. And it's a little more violently as well, I think. Oh man, it was way more brutal. I loved it. This was was one of the, um, I actually think that this, this action piece, the whole, you know, him, him having a little fight scene with GSP and stuff. I really enjoyed it. Like Mm. how brutal. I mean, he's got like some superhuman kicks now as well. Like it's literally like one of the first things he does is get behind that guy and kicks him. And they go flying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm. So no, I I've, I liked the fact that it had kind of upped the yeah the the more kind of gritty brutal nature. It kind of reminded me of when I first watched Casino Royale, and it was like finally a James Bond that's like beating people to death with the top of a toilet rather exactly, than exactly like yeah, yeah, yeah. laser <laughs> fucking bubble gum mine or something, you know. But um, <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it, man. I liked it. Cool, Good and start. as you mentioned as well, so obviously you're like an, um, an MMA fan, and mm-hmm. we are introduced uh, to Batrock, played by the UFC legend yeah, George Saint Pierre. Yeah, so was this simply stunt casting or do you think he actually managed to fit into the film? I mean, he didn't have the biggest role, did he? It was no. more, it was, I don't even think he had that many lines of dialogue. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, it's just, man, it's GSP. He's one of the nicest guys ever and he could literally obliterate any other human on the planet. So I hope you not love the guy, you know? <laughs> they say, they say that, they say about me as well. Oh, here we oh go. yes. Here we go. Audio commentary. Fuck. Oh my Oh my God. My dog has just taken a shit. <laughs> so, speaking of George St. Pierre and Batroc, in the comics, the character of Batroc the Leaper is super goofy. Oh. Bit of a sort of silly, was for the longest time disregarded as sort of like a said list villain. Um, but the Russo brothers talked about how they wanted to resurrect him as someone that was fierce and formidable and a brutal opponent that could sort of put cap through his paces early on mm. and i think that comes across really nicely with the how they made him like a terrorist who can hold his own in a fight against him mm. yeah for sure i like that and also like for gsp i mean like respect for him going into the acting world like later in life after his mma career has gone by and to and to be put into a film like that like a huge a, a I mean, I massive know, massive yeah, blockbuster. yeah and i mean he didn't look like a completely out of it i mean you know like i don't know i guess he maybe he comes back in later things i know he's still acting and that so maybe we'll see the progression in his acting as well but I, yeah i liked it yeah uh, yeah, yeah. If, he, if he did well he doesn't mm. he doesn't fluff up the dialogue and yeah that little action scene he does get with steve rogers is really really good as well and i love how the action scene is shot as well that always reminds me of like a um, um a beat-em-up video game like an mm. arcade gamer because it's just yeah, yeah. It, you never really get into the fight you it's just always them sort of it's got sort of that same sort of framing as a as an old school arcade game mm. I, I quite like that they did that um Are you saying as well george about the quips in the, mm. the the early stages i love that bit where she's saying about you need to have a social life and all that sort of thing and he says well all the guys from my barbershop quartet are dead yes <laughs> which I'm now dying to see like this. Watch this time round. I suddenly thought I'd never really thought about the idea of Skinny Steve in a barbershop quartet. Like <laughs> considered that as like it's a funny line. Mm. But the image of him actually being in a barbershop quartet is something I need to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, was there anything else that stuck out to you in this opening set piece, Rob? 
Um, I think this time around, I really like the reveal of Cap when he's you, you were with Batroc and the sort of he's doing a bit of exposition, but then he moves and Cap's in the background, lobs his shield at the mm-hmm. at the window, and then just leaps through and starts the fight off. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, love that. Like you, like you said, the whole sequence of him just non-stop booking it through the the ship, just taking them people out. The Rumlow sort of awkwardly parachutes in at the end. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, yeah, doesn't he say really, something like, yeah, good. you really look like you needed the help or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good. And, of course, uh, we've slightly skipped the first scene where we're introduced to Sam Wilson, mm. uh, played by Anthony Mackie. So Sam Wilson, so he's a former U.S. Air Force pararescueman trained by the military in aerial combat using a specifically uh, designed wing pack. Now, about the role, Mackie said, he's the first African-American superhero. It makes me feel like all the work I've done has been paying off. I have a son, nephews and nieces, and I love the idea that they can now dress up as the Falcon on Halloween. They now have someone they can idolize. And that's a huge honor for me. And he's right. I think at the time when Winter Soldier came out, there was no other black superheroes on our screen at the time. So it's beautiful to hear how much it meant to him at the time. And, you know, and his family as well. Poor Uh, Don Cheadle. Well, <laughs> well, hold on. What, I mean, would Wesley Snipes' blade not fall into that? Category? I mean, like at the time, that's what I was okay, saying. Like got, yeah, out yeah, yeah. on the time, but I think Rob's sure. onto something yeah. with Don Cheadle. Actually, maybe. Yeah, but I think I suppose in terms of Mackie's reasons, no, yeah, sure, these kids yeah. start dressed up as Blade and decimating <laughs> people in a blood rave. I think it'd be a bit. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that whole opening. Oh. I think he's so good in it. Like his mm-hmm. instant chemistry with Chris Evans. And there's, like, you were talking about the physical effects of this film. There's a beautiful Texan switch. Yes. Which is, like, a a technique in film that I'm obsessed with. It's where you have, like, say, a stunt performer jump slightly out of you or run behind a pillar or something, and the actual actor continue. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where Chris Evans runs past Sam and off past camera, and then when we cut, like, when the camera pans around with Sam sort of trying to catch up with him... Cap's already like he's like hundreds of yards the into road, the yeah. into the distance, isn't he? And it's just a simple switch of him. To, he just carries on running off camera, and there's some guy halfway down the road, like who carries on. Who's like there's no CGI double. in it whatsoever, and you never occurs to you whilst watching it. It's so clever. No, I love them. That's, that's like pure filmmaking to me. Those kind of <laughs> yeah. little switches, brilliant. And um, I think that. He's so effortless, uh, Anthony Mackie as well. So, you know, Marvel, when they, they said they cast him because of his insane energy and sense of fun. And I think he really brings that to the character, you know, right from the beginning as well. I love it when he's he's laying on the floor exhausted after his run and he tells Cap to go off and take another lap. And he sort of looks down at the floor for one second, looks back up and is like, did you take it? I'm assuming yeah. you just took another lap. Um, so uh, is Colin, is Sam Wilson a good fit to the MCU? Would you be happy if this was his only appearance in the MCU, or would you be happy with the return of the Mac? Oh no, <laughs> I would. I would love to see him come back. There. I feel like you, like you guys said, he. It was almost like there was a minute when he came in, and I was like, "Have I seen this guy before?" Because yeah, how, like how he easily totally, he slides into yeah, it all. Yeah, 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 totally felt like he was he was at home in this, and I was sort of like backtracking in my head, thinking. Have I forgotten about like a scene that he was in in one of the other films or whatever? So yeah, no, I really liked him in it, and hopefully he'll be back next time, baby. Next time, baby. <laughs> so uh, returning to the Triskelion, uh, which is Shield's headquarters, 
Rogers confronts director Nick Fury and is briefed about Project Insight. So this is free helicarriers that are linked to spy satellites are designed to preemptively eliminate threats. Now, unable to decrypt Romanoff's data, Fury becomes suspicious about Insight and asks senior S.H.I.E.L.D. official and Secretary of Internal Security, Alexander Pierce, to delay the project. Now, I'm sure it was at this point where all the kids in the audience in the cinema all wearing their Hulk masks and clutching their four hammers, their Mjolnirs, you know, started turning to their parents and asking when the film was going to start being fun. So I'm (laughs) sure we're all in full agreement that this film is a major change of pace for the MCU, um, especially in regards to its tone. But does that work for you, Colin, this sort of new grounded approach they seem to be taking? Yeah, it it did work for me. Um, I've always, I think one of my toughest things that I've found up until this point is that it's always felt like they've tried to cater too much to everyone you know Mm. like in terms of like there's a lot in there for younger kids and stuff and it's those kind of moments where I get like a bit you know cringed out or whatever Um, but this one I mean this whole film just felt like a really big budget action movie Mm -hmm. like you know um, not aimed for little you know not not targeted audience for little kids to watch Mm -hmm. although I'm sure they probably still loved it too right Um, yeah I'm I'm not sure I reckon kids would have been really, really just upset you think by so? the whole Peggy scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just a, why is there an old lady crying? <laughs> we will get to that in yeah, just yeah, yeah. one minute. So, uh, Rob, this whole new tone, did they did they ground the film too much or did they get it just right? Oh, no, I think it's just right. There's Just when you sort of feel it's getting too... I mean, talky sounds derivative because there's nothing wrong with a film where there's just dialogue. But it, like mm. you say, it's got to be a superhero film as well. And just when it's getting to a point where, you know, they're chatting loads, you'll have a moment that is, that is almost silly, but the film manages to balance it really well. I don't know how they get around it. Mm-hmm. And even when it is just a talking scene, you're, you're looking at someone like Robert Redford, who's just magnetic there's something the guy just hasn't missed a beat he's still incredible Mm -hmm. for sure so as we just mentioned during this part of the film we also get to see steve visit peggy carter colin please Mm. tell me this melted your cold dead heart (laughs) (laughs) i can tell you one thing that i don't um from watching all of these as much as I'm watching them and they're, you know, some of them are great, some of them aren't so great and whatever, I don't feel like I have the same emotional attachment to the characters that you boys have. And I don't know if that's because I haven't sort of had the time, you I, know, the time between films. It's to, occurred to me, yes. Yeah, um, so it's, I'm, this is going to sound very cold, <laughs> but I'm just, I, like, I don't want to say I'm just not that bothered about any of the characters because that's not, that's not really true, but mm-hmm. I can't, I can't really see myself getting to the point where I'm, you know, going to start weeping over certain moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just in. It was, it was just an enjoyable film to sit through and watch for me, which I think at this stage is definitely a, a plus for yes. me. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, I think like that scene for me, it's just. I think it's, it could have easily have just been. And it teeters on feeling crowbarred in, but I think it it does. It has such a it's 
a nice way that it's written. There's just this moment where it's just a normal conversation that's a bit exposition-y of, you know, I kept on at S.H.I.E.L.D. because you founded it and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And it's just a moment where she switches. I think mm. she has a cough and he gets her some water and she just sort of says, it just breaks her. She's like, Steve, you're back. You came I think back. The actual line is, you're alive, you came back. It's been so long, so long. And he says, I owed you a dance. It's just like, oof. Hmm. For it was what? no. It, it was cool. It was nice. Just for but... me, like it's um, even I feel like even if it doesn't get people emotionally, it's still like such a well crafted bit of writing. And Chris that, Evans um... in the scene is spectacular. There's that one mm. moment where she says, "Steve, you came back," and he's so confused at first, and then she says, "You're alive," and he, you see his heart break. He he just yeah. completely breaks uh, in the scene, and then, yeah, obviously ends it by saying, um, "Of course he came back." You know, he, he owes her a dance. Um, mm. So, Colin, remind me. I think we may have asked you way back in episode one. Are you much of a crier when it comes to film and TV? And can you remember the last <sighs> time you cried whilst watching something? Damn, that's a tough one. <laughs> I'm not, I don't think I am much of a crier, to be honest, when it comes down to film and TV. Mm. There was, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but you guys have probably done a pilot season on The Shield, haven't you? We have. Rob has seen all of The Shield and very much enjoys it. Yeah, so I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't finished watching The Shield, but as that show goes on, um, I got very attached to a few of the characters in that, and there was something that happens towards the end of that which really got me. Um, and I think I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll text you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and other than that, I mean, dude, I don't really watch that much TV and film anymore. Of course. So like it's, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think I'm not, I'm, yeah, it's not like I'm saying I've never done it. I, I'm not, I'm not like opposed to, you know, letting out the emotions if it gets you. Yeah. Um, but, but the Marvel films haven't got me there yet. Let's okay. Just yeah, way. I like that you said yet, though. Because uh, it's easier to remember the last time I didn't cry at something nowadays. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. I know that. <laughs> uh, Did you cry scene, on that bit? Uh, yeah, it always gets me. Yeah? yeah. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. It's one of a handful of scenes in the MCU that um, make me cry. And um, so far, in terms of this recap, this is the second. Uh, the first being when Cap says his goodbye to Peggy in the first Avenger. So... Uh, this next brief part of the recap is literally one sentence and only a few words because I really want us to get into this sequence because it is a sequence I love. On his way to rendezvous with Maria Hill, Fury is ambushed by assailants led by an assassin called the Winter Soldier. This scene is everything I love about the Winter Soldier. It's an incredibly exciting action set piece, you know, all shot on location using amazingly like well choreographed um, stunts and stunt doubles, but it's not afraid to get a couple of laughs in there too. So, you know, you got at one point Fury even asks the car to fly, uh, which never fails to crack me up because of course it has that capability In any other MCU film, that car would fly off, but not in this film. And obviously then we get that great line. Well, what does work? The air conditioning unit is fully functional. Um, did you love this set piece as much as me, Colin? Or am I just being biased about the whole thing now because I love this film so much? I really loved the the moments of him being in the you know, the the SUV or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um and that whole that whole piece where he's 
waiting for the final moment of the, you know, and then he just whacks out that giant and takes them all out. This little Uzi out of nowhere yeah, or something. Yeah, out of like, <laughs> the handbrake disappears and suddenly, yeah. Got, yeah, that bit was brilliant. I did, I did think that the, the chase itself came a little bit, I mean, how, you know, how, how much can you do with a, a car chase in an action film? Mm-hmm. Really? It, I mean, it was fine, but it wasn't, I think after the the opening kind of choreography with the fighting and stuff, mm-hmm. I think I was just kind of wanting to see more and more of that. So the whole car chase section was a little bit like, okay, okay, cool. Um, but no, it was still cool. It was still fun. Awesome. And and Rob, that score, how wonderful and propulsive is the score during yeah. this sequence? Because then we also get a slight introduction to that Winter Soldier score, which I'm obsessed with. There's something wonderful about that. Um winter soldier score and i read somewhere that henry jackman's reasoning for that like a high-pitched screech mm. when whenever the winter soldier appears is that he wanted it to sound like a sort of weird drawn out version of bucky's scream as he fell from the train <laughs> jesus that's nice which yeah it works so i love it you could have used that as your trivia that. sir yeah that would have i could have but I think I've got a better one. <laughs> oh, I like the confidence. And also, sometimes I'm getting really tactical with it now. Is sometimes I'll pick out of trivia facts, and then I have facts that I think George might have picked as mm. his trivia, and I'll just drop them earlier oh. in the episode to sort of null and void it. <laughs> I like that, mate. That's dark. I'm gonna rip apart his games, yeah, and yeah, I'm gonna yeah. get the trivia before him. <laughs> Next week, I'll be doing the intro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sit, sit back, guys. Relax. <laughs> uh, anything else about this scene, Rob? I agree with Colin. I mean, I really do like the the car chase bit, but it is kind of... You, I think you could have had the same effect if um, Fury mowed down all the people with the guns, relaxed for a second, and then Winter Soldier came in like... If you were cutting for time, but it's still, I, I still think it's really effective and it's all really nicely shot, I think, because it all feels practical. None of it feels mm-hmm. the, just, it, it feels like you're watching a sort of car chase, um, you know, like sort of police videos where yeah. it's sort of breakneck, he's just trying to get through traffic as well, mm-hmm. which is always an interesting thing for yeah. a car chase. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. Good. And then, as for a reveal of 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 old old fucky, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really good. Jesus Christ! Uh, so, uh, escaping to Rogers' apartment, Fury warns him that Shield is compromised, but then is wounded by the Winter Soldier before handing Rogers a flash drive containing the ship's data. Fury is pronounced dead during surgery and hill recovers the body so now we start getting a bit deeper and deeper into our little conspiracy theory tone here um we i like that we have steve having a bit of a meet cute with his neighbor and uh, i love the beat that after um uh, after nick fury is shot um who comes strolling in with a radio and gun uh, but his neighbour. So it kind of throws both Steve and us for a bit of a loop as we literally don't know who to trust. I'm really trying not to make this episode um, George talks about every moment of Winter Soldier. 
but I am so in love with the tiny little chase sequence as well. Straight after this, with Steve literally crashing through walls, chasing the Winter Soldier, and with it ending with that beautiful beat of the Winter Soldier catching Steve's shield. Again, throwing us and Steve through a loop. So in terms of the whole film on a whole, Colin, were you fully on board by this time? Because I know you mentioned way back when we did episode one as well, you mentioned that someone had actually shown you this film a couple of years ago. So could you remember much from it? So like when we had Nick Fury's death scene, did you fall for it? Like, could you remember the twist that he wasn't actually dead? Yeah, it was funny because someone did show me this film. It was probably a good two or three years ago now. And to be honest with you, I think a lot of it went over my head because obviously I had no like back history of any of the MCU exactly, story yeah. or anything like that. And, and I was a little bit worried when I put it on thinking like, oh, maybe it won't hit the same. But dude, I had forgotten almost everything, <laughs> which I mean, I don't know what that says about me and my frigging <laughs> mental capacity, but... Yeah, I had forgotten almost all of it. Wow. There were a couple of moments, which I'm sure we'll get to later on, where I couldn't quite tell if I had just figured it out just beforehand or if there was something in the back of my head that was like, oh, no, wait, this bit, you know? Oh, but okay. with, the Nick, with the Nick Fury thing, I, I generally did. I did think he had died mm-hmm. at this point while I'm watching it. Yeah. Were, were you gutted? Um, I was, I was actually quite... I was quite impressed with how bold that move would be mm-hmm. as a, you know, as a story of, you know, writers or whoever makes those decisions. Mm. Um, I, I was impressed, but then I did think to myself, he's probably not dead because it's Marvel and it's Disney and they're going to milk this thing for as long as they possibly can. <laughs> um, so, I think yeah. they stick with it for they quite did. a long they time. They did. Because yeah, a bit yeah, in yeah. Iron Man 3 with Gwyneth when she falls into the fire and it's literally within about five minutes that she's back yeah so this was a good portion of the film oh, and i kind of think i kind of forgot about him being gone to the yeah. point i was like waiting i wasn't waiting for him to come back anymore so when he did come back i was like oh okay it wasn't so offensive to me though. yeah mm. it was quite impressive how long they left it and like you said rob it was to the point where you'd kind of almost moved on from it and then you're like oh okay cool you know <laughs> what i will say about that chase uh sequence is Audio commentary facts. So Kevin Feige, the head honcho of Marvel Studios, was a bit apprehensive about that scene with Steve running through the corridors and busting down walls and just generally breaking down the place trying to chase. Because in his words, he was worried that it would be too Hulk-like and we need to reserve that for the sort of action for the Hulk. But the Russo brothers fought because they said this is a special circumstance in which Steve would be determined to track down, you know, Nick Fury's killer and right the wrong. So he would be giving it a slightly more destructive oomph than he would otherwise. Mm, I like I that. I do get that, but I must admit that that bit did make me think that it was a little over the top. And this goes back to what I think I brought up in the first Captain America movie, which is he isn't exactly superhuman. Whereas in this film, it feels like he now has more superhuman powers, like the kicks and everything in the first scene. I mean, no human is kicking a guy and he goes absolutely steaming back like at that force. And also with the whole kind of... I mean, that that scene 
particularly with him like bashing through all the doors mm. and stuff. I mean, a couple of the buildings that he leaps between, it felt like it was more Spider-Man doing it than Captain yeah. America. Yeah, so I guess it brings into the question of continuity. Like, because they sort of established his strength or his abilities in the first one, do we mm. now have to sort of keep to those abilities? Or sure. do... I don't know if they did. I think the issue is that they didn't establish them in the first film. Well, not really, no, because, I mean... It was like, I think one of the things that I picked up on was, I can't even remember what it was now, but it was sort of like, it was it was the fact that he could suddenly parachute on his own and like do all the skydiving thing, mm-hmm. but then his fighting ability wasn't that good. And it was that weird, like, well, is does, does the injection to make him big and strong give him extra ability than just being a big, strong human? And I guess now we get the answer that maybe it do- it did give him more, whereas, like you said, it wasn't really wasn't really revealed in the first one. Mm. Audio commentary facts. So the Russo brothers wanted to focus on their reasoning for making his fighting style and his sort of prowess with with sort of taking down bad guys on missions and things like that would change because in World War. Two, yes, yeah, World War Two, mm-hmm. isn't it? The first one. They were all just kids from Brooklyn. They were just fresh off the street and thrown into a war. They weren't given this sort of tactical fighting training. And this is supposed to be that he's been like a soldier of shield for a while now. So he's trained up. He's he's been working with the strike soldier. team, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So it's like he's got that super soldier serum but now he's also got the ability to use it in a way that isn't more like a pub rule mm. Mm. which i think comes across in that first scene but i get what you mean like it, that first film doesn't do enough to show what would happen if he kicks a guy what would happen if he punches a guy so you've got no gauge of what that his abilities are and even the first the first scene of this film where he jumps out of the chopper or whatever without and a parachute like, yeah, and the guy's like, does he not need a parachute? He's like, nah. And, like, he just goes plummeting into the sea. And it's like, I know it's a movie, and I know, like, there's an element of kind of switch your brain off and logic mm. isn't 100% there. But, it, like, no one's surviving that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, no human's surviving that fall. It doesn't matter how, how, like, straight and narrow you are when you go in there. I'd love to see, like, a dumb member of the strike team who's just, like, pure, like, meathead. Just sort of does the same just thing. Like, I can do that. And then just, his legs just shatter into bits. Belly flops into a million pieces. <laughs> okay, so um, the next day, Pierce summons Rogers to the Triskelion when Rogers withholds Fury's information and then Pierce brands him a fugitive. And then we have that sequence in the lift. Rob, care to tell us how amazing this sequence is? It's one of the highlights of Phase 2, surely. Yeah, it's up there as one of the... I mean, it just sort of solidifies the the difference in action filmmaking between any of the other films that have come prior. I mean, the Avengers are some amazing sort of battle sequences and things, but this feels... I think they they said they were shooting this for yeah a good few days, all just crammed into this mm-hmm. you know short space, and the build up for it is so like slow and methodical and tense. But I'm al- I'm almost laughing by the end of it though, because even the size in guys increases yeah, every yeah. time yeah. more people get in. Where I used to work had like 
we was on the 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 sixth floor, and there'd be times when everyone's going home at the same time, and you'd get in the lift, and there'd be hardly anyone in it, and by the bottom, everyone would be you'd be surrounded by people mm. and I was always so tempted to go <laughs> before we get started really, if you fellas want to get out but I just got a feeling it would have fallen very dead and my jokes rarely fall dead George as you're probably aware yeah they make me want to fall dead yeah um <laughs> Colin did you love it I did yeah good I liked it yeah there were there were a couple of moments of this where in this film where it kind of it reminded me of like the older Mission Impossible movies and stuff. Yeah, there was definitely. a bit. There was a bit at the beginning with um, Black Widow when she ends up like flip. I know we're going backwards a bit now, but I think it's on the ship actually, and mm-hmm. she ends up like I don't know. She ends up like f- going backwards with two guns out, just like tearing <laughs> yep. down people. And there are a couple of moments like that, and yeah, it just it cements what we've kind of been saying, or at least what I said, which is that it just feels like a really good action movie yeah and and it's the, it's moments like that and it seems like that where it kind of takes it from just being a standard action movie with things like car chases and stuff mm-hmm. and they're kind of getting way more creative with it yeah and yeah i mean the way they the way they built that up with the whole you know every every floor more people were getting on and they're all kind of looking around but he's noticing more and, things as well so one of yeah, the first yeah. things one of the guys holding he's holding his gun yeah, yeah. one of the uh, and then on, the, on the next floor one guy's sweating yeah yeah it's it's pretty hot in America. So what if you just some poor guy that got in the lift and there's loads of other people in there just minding their own business <laughs> just having a chat and oh sorry in here <laughs> Steve Rogers twats it twats you around the face. Uh, but yeah, it's so good. I like that the all the set pieces work towards showing that Steve isn't just some sort of super slick like that first action sequence is so good at showing him as this amazing sort of like tactician mm-hmm. going around the whole ship, taking people out. And then everything from there is putting him on the back back foot. So he's got all these people that are sort of holding him down. And yeah, he prevails, but it's not as easy as just no. sort of like, okay, I've got to lift for a pill, I can beat the crap out of him. Yeah. It somehow manages to walk that fine line without making it, you know, making a pushover but also making it believable enough that he can get... They make him bleed in this film. He bleeds, yeah. Um, Mm. And it's very important for them to do that, I think. So, uh, hunted by Strike, Rogers meets with Romanoff. Now, using the data, they discover a secret shield bunker in New Jersey where they activate a supercomputer containing the preserved consciousness of Arnim Zola. Zola informs them that since S.H.I.E.L.D. was founded after World War II, HYDRA has infiltrated and operated within its ranks, sowing global chaos with the objective of making humanity surrender its freedom in exchange for security. The pair narrowly escape death when a S.H.I.E.L.D. missile destroys the bunker, and they realise that Pierce is HYDRA's leader within S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, when I mentioned earlier that Although we've taken this whole new grounded approach and this new tone, it's also not afraid to go a little bit comic book when it needs to. I was definitely referring to this scene. This scene literally involves Steve and Natasha talking to a computer that has a very thick European accent. And I absolutely love it. It's so silly. And I never fail to crack up laughing every single time with this piece of dialogue. So... Natasha asks what the hell is going on, and Steve replies, Arnim Zola was a German scientist who worked with the Red Skull, 
but he's been dead for years. And then suddenly the computer says, first correction, I am Swiss. <laughs> Second, <laughs> look around you. I have never been more alive. Oh my God. I love it. It's pure, pure comic book, but it's not told from like a wink, wink or tongue in cheek perspective. It's all told completely with a straight face. And to me, that's why it works. It could very easily be twisted with just a couple of simple changes to make it tongue in cheek and admit to itself. Yeah, this is very, very silly. But for the Russos, they play this like it's Schindler's bloody list. It's told as straight as humanly possible. And I'm all here for it. Was it too silly for you, Colin, or did, did they still, like I said, get it right? No, I don't. It wasn't too silly for me at all. Great, I but really yeah, was yeah, worrying yeah. about this scene as to whether <laughs> that would lose you. No, I, I think also because what what they were revealing was so big, massive, what, what, massive. The, what the computer was revealing. It kind of, yeah, it balanced out the the comedic value of they're talking to a couple of screen and I, th- I mean the bit that was the funniest was when he just punched he punches the screen and then as i was it just, saying it just pops up on like the one next to it that was nice that was a fun bit. <sighs> so good uh what about you rob one step too far in this scene or not no it's perfect oh good this this film is so good at exposition yeah just so good there's there's a few instances of exposition in the film. And the first one we've already gone past is when Cap is sort of disillusioned by everything. And he's had his chat about um, freedom and fear with um, Nick Fury. And he goes to the Smithsonian and goes to a museum exhibit about himself. And he's looking at his own history and how it sort of reflecting on who he is. But at the same time, bringing people up to speed who might not have seen the first yes. film incredibly clever bit of exposition without a character sort of going remember when you was in mm-hmm. and yeah, bucky yeah, was yeah. your friend it, it sets so up well it done. sets up bucky so well yeah and then this is the second bit of exposition where you've effectively got a character like you said the character just talking mm-hmm. plot <laughs> for yeah. about five minutes but you've also got the fact that they decided to set it in where his story started so you're going back to this theme about Cap looking back on his past and evaluating who he is and also seeing himself as a ghost sort of just running past running him. through the and looking at himself like looking at his past self and sort of it ties in with the theme of the film mm. just incredibly well I think the third bit of exposition isn't quite so clever but by that point I couldn't give a shit <laughs> no it's great and I love the fact that this is it's something I noticed this time around this moment he goes you are standing in my brain yeah and he's the second character within the phase two of the MCU to say that the first being Guy Pierce in Colin's favourite Iron Man 3 so he does say that yeah yeah he goes Pepper you're standing in my brain it's pretty good uh, I'll block that one out pretty good I like that <laughs> uh, so it's also worth mentioning that during this sequence where Zola, as a supercomputer, uh, gives us Hydra's background. And as Rob says, just gives us plenty of exposition as to how they've been operating. Did anything stand out to you, Colin John Brain? I don't know if I could even remember the bit you're talking about. So they... Uh, he Blink and you miss it. It's very blink oh, is it? Okay. and oh. you miss it. So it's during when Zola's doing his whole speech. 
we mm. see, and you may want to go back and rewatch this. We see okay. a headline pop up on the screen. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. About, um, him ki- or the death of, of what's his name? Stark. Yes. So we see a headline from an old newspaper yeah. explaining how Howard and Maria Stark, That's Tony yeah, Stark's yeah, yeah. I, parents I yeah, yeah, yeah. died in a car accident with Zola ex- saying over it, accidents happen. So, yeah, yeah. so like you said, we are getting a lot of big information here in this scene, but that piece of information is barely glanced at. Like you said, yeah. uh, it's blink and you miss it. So there's a lot of information being thrown at us uh, in this scene. So to continue, uh, Rogers and Romanoff enlist the help of former U.S. Air Force pararescueman Sam Wilson, who Rogers has now befriended, uh, and he acquires his powered Falcon wing pack. They capture S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Jasper Sitwell, a Hydra mole, forcing him to divulge that Zola developed a data mining algorithm that can identify individuals becoming threats to Hydra. The InSight helicarriers will sweep the globe, using satellite-guided guns to then eliminate them. Sitwell is then killed in an ambush by the Winter Soldier, whom Rogers then recognises as... Bucky Barnes, his childhood friend who seemingly fell to his death on a mission, but was actually captured and experimented upon after World War II. So, where do we begin? Uh, Colin, when Rogers and Natasha are getting the information out of Sitwell, another piece of exposition maybe as to what the heli heli carriers are for, what the Mm. algorithm does. Did you catch... The tiny, again, blink and you miss it, there's a little next time, baby, hidden in there. Was this the Stephen Strange bit? Yes. Oh, I even wrote that down. Oh, I was like, I don't know who that yeah, is, but he's the learning. last name's Strange to me. <laughs> <laughs> the last name's Strange. I know there's a Doctor Strange out there somewhere. <laughs> so I thought, I wrote it down and I was going to just ask you guys if it meant anything. But the fact you've brought it up, clearly it does. Of course does. it does. It like I said, Bruce Banner and then Stephen Strange. They, they mention, um, could be like anyone that's a threat to Hydra, whether they're a threat now or even they might be a mm. threat in the future. Mm. This algorithm has detected them. So he said it could be a teacher from a high school. It could be the Secretary of Defense. It could be anyone from Bruce Banner, Stephen Strange. And Mm. you heard the fanboys in the cinema lose their freaking minds. Because (laughs) you know... I mean, Doctor Strange wasn't even announced by then. The fact that they name-dropped Stephen Strange made a lot of people very, very happy. So... Now we have, the, obviously, the action sequence on the highway and the streets of Washington, D.C., with Steve, Natasha, and Sam all going up against the Winter Soldier and just some random henchmen. But yes, like I said, it all ends in the reveal that the Winter Soldier is actually Steve's lifelong and presumed dead best friend, Bucky Barnes. So, Colin, I have to ask you again, and you might have yeah. hinted at this earlier on, did you remember this twist? Well, this was the one that, yeah, this is what I hinted at. It was like... As soon as the reveal was about to happen, like you know, when you see that he rips um, off the mask and the mask yeah, falls on the floor. As soon as you hear it, as soon as you see that hit the floor, I was like, "That's going to be fucky Barnes." Isn't it? <laughs> but then, but then also, <laughs> but then also, as soon as I realised it was, I'm thinking maybe that's just a point that I remembered from watching it a couple of years ago. Who knows? I yeah. mean, surely there's got to be some of it in there. I mean, that's it. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's um, quite impressive that you got that far for it. Yeah, yeah. That. So maybe it didn't, it, or, may, or maybe that was just the. Um, mm-hmm. 
the one little thing that reminded me. But yeah, I love I d- the scene with um, with Pierce and the Winter Soldier's sat in sh- shadows in his in his house, mm-hmm. and this is a moment when the cleaner Renata walks back in. He's, yeah. Oh, Renata, I wish you'd have knocked. <laughs> But it's so, that's so dark. Like you can imagine, they're made, this was a twelve A, which means you could take six was year olds. Really? Yeah, you could Jeez. you could take six year olds to this movie, and he literally turns around and he puts a fair few bullets yeah, into yeah. her. It's pretty dark. Yeah, he ain't mucking around. No, so he's fierce, isn't he? He's Alexander Fierce. There you go. Um, so yeah, Rob, um, talk us through this sequence because I love this action sequence so much. There's so much to. Um, yeah. I think even in the first time you watch it, there's just so many cool moments. For starters, as well, this is the second time in Phase 2 that a character has gone headfirst into a lorry. The first time was Iron Man's empty suit, and this time it was Jasper Sitwell, who just gets absolutely obliterated. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a Nazi, or uh, MCU Nazi, so... It's not as bad, is no. it? I think that's the Indiana Jones rule. <laughs> you can do whatever you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's great. There's so many, like, the fight sequence. And even there's so many, like, little clever moments. Black Widow jumps off the overpass, sort of zip lines under, and then looks at the shadows as she's running and towards knows the to winter soldier's where. waiting for her, yeah. It's just little fight moments like that. Really, really clever. There's the moment where she diverts him as well which apparently <laughs> audio commentary that, oh my God. scary <laughs> scared myself i'm pushing <laughs> my vocal rage downwards <laughs> into my bum yeah there's a moment where he thinks he's found her. he's got like this tracking thing that tracks sound and sort of rolls underneath the car um originally in the script that was going to be that he found black widow's shoes like he was tracking her mm. and for some reason he got there and apparently Scarlett Johansson and they was like, So what? For the rest of the film I've got no shoes? <laughs> <laughs> you need to figure something else. <laughs> so that's how they come up with the, the audio thing, which I think works a lot better. Yeah. So many cool moments with the Winter Soldier with knife work, which is again blinking, you miss it, but you have to it's, it's all there, like dropping the knife. The knife is flipping through the air and one person's catching it and it's nuts to watch yeah it's it's really amazing they really they really sell this idea that the winter soldier is this like weapon that you just wind up and send out there mm-hmm. and it's just almost like the terminator i think is a good reference Completely. that he's just this unstoppable thing he's like you you disarm him with one weapon and he's got another one mm-hmm. like within seconds and just even before the reveal, he's such a sort of good match for Steve. Such an interesting villain because of what he means to Steve. It's just, it's great. Yes. So me and Rob, we had to choose our words very carefully when discussing the, the death of Bucky in our first Avenger episode, mm. uh, because what a twist, um, you know, it's not only a very clever twist, but like Rob just said, it's something that adds massive, sort of like emotional relevance to the film as well and sort of majorly conflicting for Steve too. Um, was there anything that jumped out of this action sequence for you, Colin, as well? I mean, I just I just think uh, the Winter Soldier's look and image that they've created with the arm and everything, it's just the perfect look Incredible. for a character like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and especially with to begin with having the face mask on and stuff because... 
I mean, maybe it was silly of me not to think, oh, maybe they're covering up someone's face. I don't know what if you guys got the twist early when you watched it for the first time or what, what? or if you knew from the comics. Well, um, because but... of, yeah, because of trailers, I think. <clears throat> oh, really? You, okay. you sort of want to know more about it. So it was hard at the time when everyone was talking about it to mm. not know that twist. Sure. It was, it was difficult. I mean, something that was interesting, and this, is a, this comes from a line just after this scene, is there's a moment where... Alexander Pierce says, your work has been a gift to mankind. You shaped the century. I need you to do it one more time. In the trailer, that was played over his conversation with Steve. So it looked like he was saying that to Captain America. So it's a nice little bit of twisting that they did Mm. in the marketing to try and throw you off the scent a little bit. I love that a lot. But I think it's that, that he's... I like that Bucky... The whole film caps. It's not like been a major focus, but there's been all these things from his past, like the museum, yeah. going back to Camp Lehigh, and all these different things. And then he's been looking, and Peggy even looking for these things from his past that are yeah. out there. And then suddenly finds this thing from his past, and it's warped and broken as well. But it's just so interesting making that that sort of tangible thing a mm. villain. Yeah, mm. most definitely. So to continue, uh, Hill manages to extract the trio to a safe house where Fury, who had faked his death, plans to sabotage the helicarriers by replacing their controller chips. After the World Security Council members arrive for the helicarriers' launch, Rogers broadcasts Hydra's plot to everyone at the Triskelion. Romanoff, disguised as one of the council members, disarms Pierce. Fury arrives and forces Pierce to unlock S.H.I.E.L.D.'s database so that Romanoff can leak... Class classified information exposing Hydra to the public. Following a struggle, Fury kills Pierce. Rogers and Wilson storm two helicarriers and replace the controller chips, but the Winter Soldier destroys Wilson's suit and fights Rogers on the third. Rogers fends him off and replaces the final chip, allowing Hill to take control and have the vessels destroy each other. So at this point in the MCU, we've now had quite a lot of massive final action set pieces. You'd hope they're all fairly original and can maybe stand out from one another. So Colin, can you differentiate this from other Marvel climaxes, you know, other stakes high enough? So if I ask you, for example, in like a month's time, what was the final set piece of the Winter Soldier? Would you be able to remember? I'll definitely remember the... um... Yeah, I'll, I'll remember the, the the plot points of it is that they needed to change the free chips in you know of the things, and I'll remember the final the final ship that the Winter Soldier and Captain America are on. Mm. And yeah, I mean, it it was feeling a little bit by this point. It was sort of a bit. I'd seen enough action, <laughs> you know. Like it felt like it was kind of getting a bit a bit a bit bit much. And how much more can they do with these characters? And also, this is my own issue. I always struggle when things like, like, like the last bit, you know, where Captain America has to put the last chip yes. in, and it's like down, it's down to the last the, ten the seconds. The countdown, yes, and, uh, yeah, and it gets to three, two, one, and then he sticks <laughs> it in, and like, there's just a part of me that I struggle to ever get on board with the good guy is in a real bad spot because I'm always in the back of my head going, "Well, he's not going to die, is he? They're going to find they, they've written some way of him getting out mm-hmm. of this." And I don't, I don't, that's just my own... That's why I probably don't get on so well with these types of movies because they're very much like... 
a lot of the time it's the good guy figures it out at yes. the last minute. And there's a lot to that, and it can be done in good ways mm-hmm. and bad ways, but I do sometimes struggle to get emotionally engaged with it and be, I'm not on the edge of my seat like, oh my God, how's he going to get yeah, out of this one? Yeah, no. Because I'm just like, well, he, he's going to get out of it. No, I, I can see that. I think it, I maybe uh, Rob will be able to put it more eloquently than me, but I think it's like a, a matter of like empathy as well or something like that. So mm. I always kind of, I tend to just find myself, putting myself in character shoes when I watch a film. So I've seen Winter Soldier many, many, many times. Like I said, it might even be in my top three MCU. So even in the rewatch just now, when Cap is climbing that ladder to try and get that last chip and Bucky is literally shooting him and putting bullets into him as he's climbing up, my heart started going. Like, I I get into it. And I I love that I do that watching this. I, I... Oh no! I bet. I bet it must make it a lot more exactly. And I love that I can still get into it. Um, Rob, are you sort of the same? Yeah, I I remember when I first saw it. This set piece. I get what what Colin's saying to a degree. It does feel like a a sort of big action sequence when the the most interesting bits are the smaller beats, the moments where him and Bucky are together and him trying to wake him up, and those things feel. I mean, I love all the stuff with Falcon. All of Falcon's action. Yeah, the Falcon's action. So oh, good. Yeah. But yeah, I almost feel like it's trying to do two things at the same time, and it can... I, I, I personally don't feel bored by it, but I can understand why people might be a bit like, okay, this is... Like um, set-piece fatigue, maybe. Yeah. I'll tell you what I love more. I love every time, and I, I love more... Each time I watch it, Jenny Agatha kicking ass. <laughs> Apparently, she did oh, all yeah. her, her own stuff. <laughs> oh, really? Well. She did the, the fight sequence wow. herself. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, as a young boy watching America Wealth in London, mm. Jenny Agatha opened my eyes. <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> so seeing her kick ass in a Marvel film. But I, I, I think it probably comes back to what we were saying earlier is that I'm just not as invested with the characters as you guys are like Hmm. and and for whatever reason that is so yeah i think there's probably always going to be that part of me that's just well yeah i mean we were getting these films twice a year at the time you're getting these films once a week so yeah and also you guys grew up on comics and you're like heavily into the marvel Mm -hmm. world and you know i mean there's things that i'm heavily invested in and interested in that i get extremely excited and emotional about Mm which I can just understand why other people wouldn't, but that's just because they're not into mm. it. Like, I mean, I'm on the edge of my seat when there's a certain MMA fight, some of the UFC and shit, and, you know, like... So it's, it's just, it's just about, you know, some people are into certain yeah. things and it's what you get emotionally invested in, I guess. We did miss something quite important Go on. about this whole sequence. I know what he's going to do. Excelsior! <laughs> I knew it! So this time, cheeky old Stan, he is a guard in the Smithsonian exhibit. Cap's going to go find a uniform for war in order to fight the final mm. battle. And when we see it, the mannequin is empty. And he says, I'm so fired. <laughs> good impression. Can't tell, I, I can't tell if the impression's getting worse. <laughs> no, that, that was, was a good, good one. one. I like that one. Yeah, it was. Now, Thank I you. didn't have this noted as well, but I've just remembered. Colin, you said you've watched Community and you quite liked it. Yeah, I, I watched the the first... It was on for a bit, wasn't it? And then it kept getting cancelled and brought it back did, and yeah. stuff. So I, I watched like I think I watched the first three seasons. Did you notice the community cameo 
Oh, I do know you've said that. Danny Pudi, yeah. who plays Arbed, um, suddenly it, yeah. pops up. So, yeah, the Russo brothers, who, like I said, did like 21 episodes of Community, were like, mm. come on, have a little nice. scene in a Captain America movie. Uh, so, yeah. I'm going to have to step in here oh. as well. Oh. You said cameo. <gasps> it's not cameo. It's cameos. Oh. Because... <laughs> Audio commentary fact. So there's a moment where Hydra taking over. Steve's giving his speech, and there's a defiant Shield member sat at a desk, and Rumlow points his gun at him, and he says, "I'm sticking with the cat." I love that guy. Well, that yeah, that was Jeremy Simmons, who um, the character's name is Jeremy Simmons in this, and his real name is Aaron Himmelstein. And he was in one episode of Community, huh. and that's where the directors knew him from. But he is having the debate in the debate <gasps> oh, class episode of against is. Jeff Winger. He's, he's <laughs> the guy in the wheelchair. Excellent. Mm. Yes, of course he is from, uh, from Community. Awesome. Love that as well. There is another Community link in which the Apple Store genius mm. guy... Oh, yeah. The real actor's name is DC Pearson, and he knows the Russo brothers through Donald Glover because they were in a comedy troupe together called Derek Comedy. Mm, lots of little community references there. Very nice. So let's start wrapping this bad boy up. So in terms of that final set piece, uh, I quite like it, actually. Uh, I, I, I like the stakes in this final action sequence because Steve's not exactly saving the world He's saving like a whole bunch of innocent people who have no idea their lives are at risk. Um, and then the Marvel fanboy in me always gets a bit of a kick out of seeing Tony Stark's face briefly pop up on the computer when it's selecting its target. So, yeah, this massive sequence with all these massive heli carriers in the sky. So they've got the spectacle right, sure. But Rob's mentioned this. What's more important is the fact that fighting inside that third helicarrier is Steve and Bucky. Because I think you can have the spectacle any day of the week, especially with the money they put into these films. But what makes it work is the heart. And it's it's Steve refusing to end the fight, saying he's, you know, he's with Bucky till the end of the line. Um, that little payoff to the previous flashback between them both. To me, it's all great stuff. So to start wrapping up, Rogers refuses to fight the Winter Soldier in an attempt to reach his friend. But as the ship collides with the Triskelion, Rogers falls into the Potomac River. The Winter Soldier rescues the unconscious Rogers before disappearing into the woods. With S.H.I.E.L.D. in disarray, Romanoff appears before a Senate subcommittee whilst Fury, under the cover of his apparent death, heads to Eastern Europe in pursuit of Hydra's remaining cells. Rogers and Wilson decide to try and find the Winter Soldier. So we literally end on a next time, baby. It's not a massive cliffhanger, but are you excited to see this story continue, Colin? Yeah. Because I, I think it's very clear from now on that Marvel have a plan. Um, so I sort of hinted at it in the background of the film at the beginning of the episode. But by this point, Kevin Feige and a, a handful of the best writers in the business, together with some comic book authors too, he rented out a massive secluded cabin in the woods and for two weeks they'd spend every day and every night planning out story arcs for all of our heroes 
some new characters as well. Some you've met, some you haven't yet. And they planned out basically the next 12 to 13 films. So that way they could start setting up all loads of little things to get paid off in the future. um, Have films ending, knowing exactly where they're going next. At this point, Marvel Studios were a completely different studio to um, the studio that released Iron Man 1, really. So, Rob, any thoughts on the ending? That bit where Nick Fury, he gets his Zippo lighter out, he sparks it up, and he sets fire to the all of his information, mm-hmm. right? His little... That really bugs me in anything I see it in when someone takes a really good lighter... <laughs> And just lobs it in a flame. <laughs> what, keep, you, you, what's the lighter? Keep the lighter. Mm. What, light light something and then throw it in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I used to... Tangent. Not very interesting tangent. But I used to collect Zippo lighters with my dad. Because mm. he used to use them when he did smoke. But he stopped smoking. And we collected Zippos together. So, yeah, seeing someone just lob it in the flame, it's just dick move. Brilliant. But, yeah, the ending's great. Yes, I very, very much agree. (laughs) Um, So let's jump into our rankings of the film. So we are doing this on Letterboxd. I'm sure you all already know by now. But in the episode description as well, you can have a link to our Letterboxd accounts where Rob has an account, I have an account, and Colin has an account. And we are all ranking the films based on this current rewatch, and we are ranking them out of five as well. So should we start with Colin, really? I think we should. Colin, out of five, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Four. I like that a lot. Uh, I'm glad you do. Robert. Five. (gasps) It's my first. It is. I gave Avengers 4.5 because there was... I issue sometimes it looks a bit craply lit and a bit TV mm. in places. But I was t- thinking today, is there anything about this film that I do not like? And Zippo lighter stuff aside, <laughs> <laughs> no, I like all of it. Yep. Which means it has to go above Avengers for me, which makes it a five star. Uh, I'm sure it's not a surprise to nobody. Uh, to me, it's five out of five as well. Um, I don't know what else I can say that I haven't already said. So, you know, I adore this new tone for Marvel, this grounded approach that this film takes. Like I said, it still embraces the fact it's a comic book and they're telling these stories with the straightest face. Um, I don't think there's a weak action sequence in the film. I think everyone is on the top of their game from Chris Evans to Samuel L. Jackson and Scarlett Johansson, who, you know, we've barely mentioned throughout this as well. She's so good in this. Um, so, yeah, I, I know I also gave Iron Man 3 a 5 out of 5, but to me, they're completely different films. Colin is shaking his head. They are completely different films, and this is better. So, they're both 5, five out of 5, but in the rankings so far, this has popped straight to number 1. You know too much for your own good. Now, that's what I call using the old head. So trivia time and i get nervous every week now for this uh but i i think i quite like my trivia this week so who went first last week i did so is it me this week it's you mate okay so colin john brain rob's looking real confident this week well i think i am but i don't know uh 
You don't sound confident saying that. I don't know. <laughs> no, I am confident. I like this. So, uh, you know that notepad we mentioned at the uh, beginning? Yeah, the one that gave you the great idea for that amazing game. Yeah, fuck did. yourself. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I mean, yes, thank you, Colin. It was a lovely idea. Yes, thank yeah. you. Um, I'm slowly breaking yeah. it down. So, um, obviously, written on that, did you manage to get any of the things that were on that list? Um, I remember seeing Rocky, <laughs> Moon Landing, couple of Yeah, so there's there, a I Moon Landing, uh, Berlin Wall, Up and Down, uh, Steve Jobs, in brackets, Apple, Disco, Thai Food, Star Wars uh, slash Trek, Nirvana, brackets, band, Rocky, Rocky 2 and Trouble Man soundtrack. Now, the the filmmakers decided to actually have a bit of fun with this. And for every major country um, this film was released in, the DCP, which is like the digital cinema print, um, was different. And the only change between each print of the film across every country worldwide was the notepad and what was in it was changed. So wow. the Russos, they changed the list depending on what country the film was shown in. Um, there are some hmm. ones, that, you know, there's some things in the list that stay on there, but there are some notable changes. And you can actually Google this and it will show you all the different variations of the notepad hmm. in all the different countries as well. Um, so, for example, I've got the French list here as well. So they've got, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to struggle with somebody. So France 98. Uh, Louis du Defons, um, Sedouche, uh, Daft Punk, The Fifth Element, um, and then Star Wars slash Trek. And I tried to see if they did it the same for the UK as well. And I managed to find the UK notebook. So we have um, Moon Landing, The Beatles, World Cup Final, brackets 1966, uh, Star Wars slash Trek, Nirvana band and Sean Connery. <laughs> so uh, yes, so for every single country, they decided cool. uh, the Russos they would change what's on the notepad, and I love that piece of trivia. That's great. No, you've done well. Thank there, you mate. very much. Let's just hold on to that uh, that feeling we all had when George <laughs> took that list idea and turned it into that game. <laughs> So, <laughs> you mentioned early on that you're a fan of UFC oh, and mixed you martial arts. Brown nose. Yeah. I just, you know, I know, I know what he likes. But you guys were friends, <laughs> so <laughs> there was the main scene with old uh, GSP hmm. where he has to fight. But there was also, I don't know if you mentioned, are you? Uh, noticed it when alexander pierce is talking to captain america he shows him uh, batrock being interrogated now in this scene he looks super serious and super angry as he did for his fight scene and they filmed lots of footage they basically said to the person playing the interrogator we need you to just keep talking keep yelling keep shouting things keep trying to break him down and they, they rolled for ages, just there, tons and tons of footage, even though it was never going to have sound. And according to the directors, after they called cut, old GSP looked at them and feebly said, I was about to cry. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
little tidbit of information that was nice. that's not widely available everywhere. Oh, so you stumbled across George's, did you? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, a couple of times. <laughs> nah, <over> the... nah. <laughs> thought about doing it myself, but I thought, no, we you know didn't. what? No, we didn't. 100% did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very confident with my one this week, actually. No, it is good trivia. It's just... Um... <laughs> oh. I've heard it before. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to carry on watching no, this. No, no. Over this to you, <laughs> Colin Brain. Um, I think, although it's probably the easier one to find, I think George gets the yeah, point this week. Yeah, boy. <laughs> I'll make a note. Hang on. Hang on just make a note. Here he goes. Next week. <laughs> Next week. Next week, the first one on IMDb trivia. Obvious answer. <laughs> cool. <laughs> oh, dear. <coughs> Love it. Uh, so uh, that's that for another week. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, Please take a look in our episode description as well for links to our social media channels. As always, we'd love to know if you're doing your own MCU rewatch with us. We'd love to have you, uh, some of you on this journey with us too. So next week, Colin, we oh, enter yeah. the last half of Phase 2. We are flying right now. And we've mentioned it a few times, but Winter Soldier was very grounded, had a very specific, serious tone, all set in Washington, D.C. How do you fancy doing the complete opposite for the next film? Because next week we're off to space with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I was not expecting yeah. that. Okay. Colin, say goodbye. Goodbye. Rob, say bye. 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 Next time we meet, let it be in peace and friendship. This is as far as you're going to get tonight. Such valuable stuff. All in a nice work. Sweet dreams, little friends. And we're not done just yet, listeners. That's right, we have two post-credit scenes after The Winter Soldier. And I still message Colin the day that we record to always make sure that he's seen the correct amount of post-credit scenes ever since what happened on The Avengers. I am too paranoid. I'm so sorry. Um, Blame Disney Plus. They're the one that made it's the so awkward on Disney Plus. The yeah, it's the worst it's thing very in the world. annoying. So, Don't get that with the Blu-ray. Oh. Physical forever. <laughs> So in our first post-credit scene, we see a man named Baron von Strucker, someone who has been working alongside Hydra on a top-secret project. Colin, did you recognise the item he had in his possession? Yeah, it was uh, Loki's Loki's um, scepter. It was yes, it was Loki's scepter from the Avengers. Uh, He announces that we are now in the age of miracles, and we see two people in two cells. One, a speedster, moving at super speed, stuck in his cell. And another, a very dangerous looking young woman who is quite clearly using some form of telekinesis and snaps the wooden blocks she's playing with before we cut to black. Now, I know your knowledge on the MCU isn't 
massive. So any idea who mm. these two are, Colin? Have you heard anything or are you still in the dark? Oh, I have no clue who they are at all. That's awesome. Uh, so <laughs> I won't go into names yet for these two. Okay. But Rob, I can't believe I'm asking you this. As long as it's not called Speedster, then I'm it's, good. It's, yeah, he's not called Speedster, unfortunately. Oh, good. Um, oh, Rob, I can't believe I'm about to ask you this. Can you do me a favour? Can you sing me a little what? song called Who's That, please? Who's that? Who's that? I've seen them before. Who's that? Who's that? I've seen them before. <laughs> so what playing uh, that speedster is a man named Aaron Taylor Johnson. So, uh, Colin, have you ever seen a film called Kick-Ass? Yeah. He is Kick-Ass. Oh, just okay. after quite obviously hitting the gym. Mm, uh, yeah. So shall we say uh, next time, baby? But obviously the young woman as well is Elizabeth Olsen. She is a sister of the Olsen twins, if you know who they are. Three of a kind. So uh, are you intrigued to see how these two are going to fit into the MCU? Does Marvel have your attention, your curiosity uh, with this post credit scene? Yeah, this one was fine. It was, yeah, I liked it. Good. Now, Rob, there's lots of discussion over the use of the word miracles in this scene, isn't there? Because... Uh, it all yeah. seems to stem from the fact that Marvel at the time were not legally allowed to use another word. Cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, we've broken him. Oh. oh God, I went dizzy. I thought I was going to pass out. No, they weren't allowed to use miracles. <laughs> they were allowed to use miracles. They weren't allowed to use mutant. Yes. Oh. Because Fox owned oh. the rights to the word mutant because they were currently uh, making X-Men films. And mm. so, yeah, for, for that reason, they had to use the word miracles. You made me bust out the... C-word? Um, who's that? <laughs> who's that? <laughs> well, that as well. <laughs> so... Another, who's that, who's that, I've seen them before. The assistant to Baron Von Strucker, have you seen him I recognised him, yeah. His name is Dan Hedia, or Hedaya, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. But he is in, well, he's one of those actors in lots of things, but specifically I remember him from Alien Resurrection. Christ. Oh, my God. He is one of the scientists who walks around in a vest and has very notably hairy shoulders. <laughs> oh, to live in Do your that, head. What yes. You will. Um, and there's one more post credit scene. This one is short and sweet, but nowhere near as nonsensical as Thor and Jane kissing on a balcony in London. So the Winter Soldier, I'm not going to call him Bucky, uh, visits the Smithsonian Museum and finds the tribute to Bucky Barnes. Is he starting to remember his past? Next time, baby. Uh, so, Colin, when we next see the Winter Soldier, do you still want him to be a villain? Or do you think he'd make a worthy addition to Cap's growing list of superhero friends? I'd, li I'd definitely like to see him as a villain for a bit longer. I mean, maybe if that's where it eventually goes, but I think it'll be a bit of a miss to just the next time you see him, he's like, oh, yeah, I went to the place and I noticed that I'm your mate. And then, you know, they're just buddies then. It'd be too, too soon. I like how you think. This might be the first time I've ever done this. 
especially in the post-credit. Go on. Oh. Audio commentary facts. Oh. I love it. I was going to Anthony Hopkins that and go, facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this was originally going to be how the film ended. It was going to have Where Do We Start and showing Bucky looking in the Smithsonian oh. and then cut to credits. But the editor of the film turned to the Russos and said that I feel that he felt that leaving it on that question left people more and would leave more anticipation for the next film. And I think, I, I think right where choice. do we start is a perfect end to the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, uh, thank you so much for listening, everyone. That felt like a massive episode. Stay safe. Stay well. Stay nerdy.